I'll pray for us. Lord, as we uh, come to this, we ask for your mercy and grace that you delight to give, for they are, your mercies are new every morning. They're, they're already coming at us. They're already ours in Christ Jesus. Uh, you give all things good all the time uh, to your people because you gave us Christ. You withhold nothing ever. And everything is working to the good that you have planned for us to make us into Christ's image. Thank you, Lord, that in that sense, uh, we, not, not us personally, but because we're in Christ, we're unassailable. Uh, we are caught up in your purpose. We are in your hands. Uh, nothing can snatch us away. You will never cast us away. Uh, we are yours forever. Uh, you have died for us. Lord, thank you for the security that we have. In the midst of all of our failure and our weakness, and uh, Lord, we were so uh, struck again and again with just how bad we can be, and yet you knew this from the beginning. Uh, you knew it before time began, and you still came after us and want us to be yours. And you're forming us as a church, and we're we're a hard church. We're we're just a bunch of sinners like any other church, and we have our own issues and. We're struggling in the midst of the things that are going on. But we thank you that we are, as a church, we're in your hands. And you, you mean good things for your people. You mean to use us for your glory. You mean to form us into the beauty and image of Christ. Um, Lord, continue to do that, we pray. And we ask even now, Lord, in helplessness, that you would uh, be with us and use your word in our lives. We so desperately need it. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, most of this is going to be take-home. Oh, you're relieved. Uh, <laughs> um, it's, it's basically, uh, it's kind of like the, the fear of the Lord being the centerpiece, obviously the beginning of all wisdom. And this is trying to show that the heart is, how critical the, the talk of heart is in Proverbs. And one of the reasons I wanted to do this is that uh, when you're dealing with Proverbs, it deals with so many instructive, this is, don't do this, don't do that, you know, over and over and over and over again. And it's very important for us to realize all of this ultimately is about the heart. It's all related to the heart. It has to do with the heart, and the heart has to do with the fear of God. <clears throat> and might be surprising just how much the heart is mentioned in Proverbs. And so I wanted to give that a big underscore so that as you go through it, uh, you can, uh, you know, mark that in your head of, of the meaning of, of Proverbs. <clears throat> so I did this word study 10 years ago, I think for the women for, it says WIC 2010. Um, and but I've taken it out. I've worked three or four hours on it to tighten it up and add some things here and there. And uh, so I hope it'll be helpful to you. But we'll, we'll spend a little bit of time on this first page. <clears throat> the overall meaning there, and the Hebrew word is leb. Uh, sometimes it's lev with a, a, a V. But um, notice that the second sentence is the richest biblical term describing the totality of a person's inner nature, right? Uh, the most frequently used, most inclusive term for man's 
personality functions. Virtually any part of a person's inner being can be designated by heart. Now that's the, uh, the, the definition given in that theological workbook, right? So that's, that's taking the use of heart over the whole Old Testament and saying this is basically what you can draw from the meaning of, of heart. Uh, so um, it can mean, uh, for instance, in the next paragraph, why does your heart carry away you away? It means uh, the whole, that, that contrasts the heart with the remainder of the person. But in other contexts, it expresses the totality of a man's nature and character. I'll give thanks to the Lord with my whole heart. You know, that means my whole being, everything I have, I'm going to give thanks with him, um, to him. So, as you see below, it can mean emotion, mind, will. It has to do with character. I'll leave all that to you to, to look at. But uh, just, just the totality of who you are. Now, I want to say something before we go on. But be careful not to draw a wrong conclusion, which is kind of a Gnostic Greek idea, that my heart is the real me, right? It'd be easy to say, hey, it's the totality of my inner person, so that's the real me. But that language is not biblical. It's not, it's not really true either <laughs> because uh, it's, the, it's the center of you, but all of you is the real you, body included, right? So we don't want to think ever the real me is inside and I'm just in the shell, I'm just in this house, I'm just in this, you know, container and I'll be rid of this container one day and, and I'll be off and running like that. You know, that. That is a common, common idea even today because uh, Eastern thought has so infected us. <clears throat> but we are all about the body. God is all about the body. Uh, that's why Jesus came in the body, why the body, his body died and his body was raised to rescue the body, right? Um, the body's going to be raised. So you have to think about when, when, you, when you're in a coffin one day, when I'm in a coffin, if Jesus doesn't come before then, that's me in a coffin. It's not just a shell. Of, that's, that's me dead, right? That's important to say. That's me dead. And that's a problem. Me dead is not good. Me alive in the last day, that's good. He's going to raise this from the dead because that's me as well. Just, a, just one of those reminders uh, that all of you is precious and valuable to God, every part of your being. But the center of your being is the heart. But all of your being is important to God. You can read 1 Corinthians six fourteen to 20 to have a review of that and how Paul treats the body there. <clears throat> I still get razzed about the first sermon I preached here, which was on Easter, and it was from that section which talks about resurrection. But he does mention prostitutes there. Uh, and that's why joining yourself to a prostitute is, is a big deal because your body is you. And you are joining yourself. And they had the idea that body doesn't matter. It doesn't matter what you do with But still to this day, first time I ever heard about prostitutes on Easter. You know, <laughs> I won't say who said that, but uh, you know, people have said that. All right. So uh, I've entitled the rest of this, The Battle for the heart, and in this first section, uh, the, the critical importance of the heart, and then you see the second section right below, uh, halfway through, the critical importance of sincerity. Well, those would go together, right? If the heart is so important, then sincerity, what goes on in the heart, 
is very important on page two. So the subpoints under the critical importance of the heart, uh, the whole life comes from the heart. You're, many of you are familiar. Keep your heart with all diligence. From it flow the springs of life. All of life flows from what goes on in the heart. That's why it's critical. Wherever the heart goes, that's where the whole life goes. And then uh, something that uh, didn't really become as apparent to me uh, until I studied this this week uh, and last week, our heart is our humanity. Now, that I believe, but it's interesting how uh, I hadn't done word studies to the extent to find out that this word sense, translated in ESV, is the word heart. And it really bears some rich meaning for us, and I wanted to touch on this. So, Proverbs 6.32, he commits adultery, lacks sense, but that's that word heart. He who does it destroys himself. Now, translators, of course, are... I, I think this translation waters down the meaning what I'm saying. I think it's not just, you know, it's just stupid that a person would commit adultery, you know. Like, you say somebody lacks sense to do this, but you don't mean necessarily that it's wicked or wrong. They're just stupid, you know. They shouldn't have done that, right? But I I don't think that's what the uh, writer is saying. But think how it reads, he who commits adultery lacks heart. It's almost, he's like saying, he has lost an essential part of his humanity to commit adultery. See? This is deep and, and dramatic. This is what, not what we were made to be language, right? Like we speak of an accidental death, and one of the things we'll say is life wasn't meant to be this way, and God's going to restore it in the last day. And so... Uh, We've, we've, we're losing essential being, our essential well-being, our true humanity when we commit adultery. And I think that's a rich and wonderful way to approach this. Um, this is cutting into our essential humanity, and that's why it says, he who does it destroys himself, ruins himself, right? Uh, not just destroys himself outwardly, but he, he is ruining the self, by doing this. I'm reading a book. I've read a little bit of it to Kay uh, by Sam Alberry called Lifted, and it's about the resurrection applied to different, uh, just four different aspects of our life. And on the chapter on hope, uh, it's really, really good. And one of the things he says is that in the resurrection, the new creation, I'll be more me than I've ever been before. I'll be, in a sense, the real me that could never be because sin kept me from being what I could be, you know. And the way I've put it is, in that day, this will be the fully, beautifully realized me. Oh, boy. San Antonio wants me to buy something. (laughs) But amazingly, I, I realize what they're about. Okay. But the fully, beautifully realized you will be who you are in the new creation. That's a, that's a great hope, right? I'll, I'll be fully expressing everything that God made me to be. And the more I give myself 
to sin, the more corrupt and ruined this self will be. So that's the importance here, I think, of realizing that this word sense has uh, this deep meaning. It, 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 it's referring here to the whole inner humanity. <clears throat> um, so in all of these terms, and I, I wish I had, uh, I, I should have gone through and at least listed all the times sense is translated or heart is translated sense. I didn't think to do that until this morning when it was too late. Uh, a few minutes ago, but um, but here at least some uh, I've perceived among the youths a young man lacking heart, or Proverbs eleven twelve, who belittles his neighbor lacks heart. See, that that's that's inhuman <laughs> to belittle your neighbor. It's not what you're made to be or, or do. Um, whoever works his land will have plenty of bread. He who follows worthless pursuits lacks sense, heart. We're made to work. We're made to be productive. We're to be fruitful. That's humanity. You're losing your humanity. Uh, same thing in the last one with the, uh, the sluggard. He's lacking heart. Um, so uh, that just is, to me, one more expression of the critical importance of the heart and what happens to the heart uh, is a deep, uh, relentless, uh, and either wonderful or terrible thing because the heart is the center of who, who we are. And so that next uh, passage in Proverbs twenty seven nineteen, as in water, face reflects face, so the heart of a man reflects the man. It's a way of saying that as you see, you see exactly your face in a mirror or in water, and whatever you see in the heart, that's who he is. That's exactly who the person is. Nothing different. <clears throat> um, and so... Uh, Proverbs 28, 14 says, Blessed is the one who fears the Lord always, but whoever hardens his heart will fall into calamity. And this shows that it's the heart that is engaged in the fear of the Lord with this couplet, the one who fears the Lord or hardens his heart. Either your heart is uh, fearing the Lord or your heart is hardened against the Lord. And to fear the Lord is to be wide open to the full range of his glory, wide open and responsive to the full range of his glory, um, to be tenderly open to all that he is, which is to basically live a life of astonishment. Okay? It's to live a life of astonishment at who God is, in awe of who God is. We want to nurture a heart of awe and astonishment at everything that God is, which will bring us honor and joy. You know, we'll, there'll be honor, joy, and praise, and, and trust, and glad obedience, all of these things. Um, and, but, but all that we are to other people depends on what we are to God. Uh, our life of astonishment, our life of amazement, tends to render us more and more kind, more and more resilient, more and more self-giving, uh, more and more tender, more and more willing to receive rebuke and, and uh, reproof. Uh, everything you can name about your relationship to people depends on your astonishment to God. And that's why later it will say to walk in the fear of God is to turn away from evil. Well, evil is mistreating people, Right? The fear of the Lord is what turns you away from mistreating people and doing bad things to people. 
So uh, here it is, that to, to tenderly, this to me is a central uh, verse along with Proverbs 1. So this one comes pretty close to the end, 28, in Proverbs 1. The beginning of wisdom, the beginning of all living of life uh, before others and to others, relationship to God and people depends on what? The fear of God. And here we see that there's either the fear of God or hardening your heart. Either the heart is, is caught up in astonishment and awe increasingly over the whole of your life or your heart is turning against. And, of course, hardening the heart means losing your humanity, losing your humanity because um, you're made for God. You're made for this astonishment, the joy of this astonishment. So... Um, in all the rest of these things, in fact, I left it off on this one, but uh, for the, all the rest of these, uh, there must have been a final edit that eliminated it. But you'll notice at the very bottom of the page, I have this repeated in every section. Trust God and not yourself for that section. So I'm, again, trying to get away from the idea of Proverbs tells you what to do and to go do it. You know, it tells you here, do this, go do it. Don't do that. Well, go don't do it. No, be sure at every point we are trusting him for these things um, and not trusting our own heart, our own, our own mind. Um, so if you want to write that in up there, trust God that you will uh, have uh, this, that you'll realize, you know, the importance of the heart. Anyway, so the next section here, and we're just going to jump through these pretty quickly until we get to the last couple of pages uh, obviously the importance of sincerity because that's what God is concerned about. He knows the heart, as it says in that section. I love this 1511, the first one. Uh, death and destruction, as NIV translates, lie open before the Lord. How much more the hearts of the children of men? You know, He knows everything. Even death and destruction are fully in his knowledge. You think he doesn't know your heart? You know, So how foolish for us to... Not be honest and open to God. But it also warns us against insincerity with others as well. To realize that we face an insincere world. Uh, how important uh, to obey God from the heart, right? To have a longing, a desire, a joy in our obedience. A joy in our love. Not just to be brought to it reluctantly. How critical is that? So... We end then, as we will every time, trust him and not yourself for sincerity of heart. And I love this. Uh, I had not really, I didn't have this in mind, uh, but I do now as a verse to keep in my head all the time. Proverbs twenty-eight twenty-six: whoever trusts in his own mind is a fool. Now, I wish it was more direct, but, you know... <laughs> Uh, now, remember what fool means is not just stupid. It means is morally bankrupt, okay? So get that. If you trust in your own heart, you're morally bankrupt. You're not made to trust in your own heart. You're not supposed to trust in your own heart. You're supposed to trust in the Lord with all your heart, as, as Proverbs 3, 5. And not lean on your own. It is, it is blasphemous. It is a denial of God. It is recklessly wicked to trust in yourself, right? That's what a fool is. Um, so, uh, so Proverbs is, is straightforward there. Don't, 
don't do it. Bob Newhart, you know that little section where he says, just two words, he's counseling someone, and she's just pouring out her heart, and he says, stop it, just stop it. You know, that's all he says is stop it. Uh, great, great counseling tool there. Um, but you kind of feel like this in Proverbs again and again, but here's the under, the wonderful, uh, uh, beautiful part is that it, it constantly stresses fear and, uh, and, and the heart. That's why I think chapter 1, verse 7, of course, stands over the whole. Just remembering all this talk about wisdom, what's the beginning of it? And, what, and, and the beginning is the ABCs, and everything's made up of the ABCs. You know, this is your language. This is what every word of your life is, how it's formed. It's the fear of God. And without that, you've got nothing. So, uh, next page, page three, um, we apply, you apply your heart to wisdom. Uh, you, you, you long from the heart to know the word of God. Uh, the, very important, of course, the next section, get and keep the word in your heart. I know early in, in uh, college, the navigator hand illustration, you hear, you read, you study, you memorize, and this is meditation in everything. Meditate it into your life. Constantly meditate it into your life. Thinking about it. What does this mean for me? How, what promises has God given to me to change me in this area I've seen? Uh, what hope can I get from this? How does this nourish me? You know, those kinds of things. Get and keep it into your heart. I love the, the language. Write them, 3-3 uh, three, three there. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Well, you know, can't physically do that, but you can mentally, you know, emotionally get this etched into my, my being, you know. Um, that's not just memorization either. You know, to etch it into your heart means that you're getting emotional about it. You're getting convicted over it. You're, you're getting happy about it. You're getting hopeful. It's stirring you. It's moving you. It's becoming a part of you, see? So this isn't... A mental exercise. Be sure you memorize the Bible. You know that's a part of it, right? But meditate it into your being. Uh, so that kind of language um, is used here to keep the word where where it must be. It has to be because from this being, from my heart, flows everything in life. And then again, I say, trust God. Okay, to make you wise. Trust God to enable me to be these things. Then all the reason we've got to be careful about the heart and seek the word and, and seek sincerity because of the natural bent of the heart. Um, I don't think we need to spend a lot of time, but here it's, it's laid out again and again in these different ways of how the heart is the source of all these kinds of evil. So at the, begot, at the bottom, we've got to trust God to continually transform our heart and uh, keep us from evil. Oh, I turned that off, sorry. Um, <clears throat> in other words, here's the bent of the heart, all the more I can't trust it, right? That's why you trust your own heart, you know, that's a morally evil thing because your heart is corrupt. Then to page four, uh, I love the contrast in uh, especially beginning in chapter 10, over and over and over again, you have the contrast of foolish and, and wicked or wise and unwise. Um, 
And I have several times in my life gone through Proverbs with a pencil, had my little chart of this is about money, this is about marriage, this is about children, and then I have a F slash W for, you know, uh, f- foolish and wise or, uh, or, or foolish and wicked. <clears throat> and uh, then I have so many of those, though, all the way through those last, those last 20 Proverbs. Uh, but that's a way to kind of see the pattern. Uh, it was bad when, I've, some of you have heard this story, but I was doing a wedding and the person that was going to read the scripture was not there on Friday night. And he showed up, you know, for the wedding. It's great. But I didn't know until I opened the bulletin standing up there that the grammar, the punctuation, I should say, for the verses was not right. You know, and grammar can be important because it could mean you stay in this chapter or it means you go to a different chapter. Well, the way it was written, they went to a different chapter later in Proverbs, the righteous, wicked sections, right? So suddenly he's in there talking about these good things happen to righteous people, these terrible things happen to wicked people, and these and these terrible, you know, vultures eating eyeballs and, you know, all this stuff. And, and, and you could see some people out there kind of like, you know, that puppy dog, you know, <laughs> what am I hearing at the wedding? But this is classic. Only God could have done this, and I have to assume he just, his infinite sense of humor. The last thing that person read, it just happened to be the way that it was misprinted. The last thing they read was, like a gold ring in a pig snout is a woman without discretion. (laughs) Now let's come together (laughs) to marry this this woman. And, of course, it would have been terrible, but I would just love to. If I was doing a skit, then you could have said, now I'd like to speak to that, Margaret. You know, <laughs> make the whole thing about her, you know. Oh, that would be just terrible. That could be an SNL skit, though. <clears throat> but the foolish and wicked sections. Um, and this is just a little sample, but these have to do with the heart, uh, of course. Uh, and so you can read through this again, trust God for a wise and a righteous heart. Uh, then naturally, as we begin, so many emotions are bound up in the heart. And you can see this expressed uh, in the Proverbs and also uh, character expressed in, in the Proverbs. Then we get to page five. See, look, we're good. We're moving on. We're, we're good. Uh, the last thing I have here is God's sovereignty over the heart. Um, and I have... Two things listed. Be open to the changes God will bring into your future. The plans of the heart belong to the man, but the answer of the tongue is from the Lord. And the more famous, perhaps, the heart of man plans his way, but the Lord uh, establishes steps. Um, So it just calls us to realize my heart is not only naturally sinful, but my heart is terribly limited in what it knows, you know, especially about the future. And all of my plans have to be put in front of God. And I have to realize he might do anything in the world with my life, anything at any time uh, that could shock me to the bottom of my being. Uh, Things that I, I, we all come to God and we have certain parts of 
our life house that we know he's got to stay in and not get to those other parts, you know, and start messing with things he shouldn't be messing with. That's kind of our private deal until he does. And then you realize, oh, I'm going to have to trust you without this, or I'm going to have to trust you in this new situation that I've never imagined for myself, you know. So just an important thing, I think, that Proverbs emphasizes. Uh, and then also, though, a, a comforting part of that is it's that God, it's in God's hands and not your hands. That's good, you know. That's really, really good that it's in his hands and not yours. Uh, because he's infinitely good and we're not. He's infinitely wise and we're not. He can work all things together for good. We can't, right? So this is a very wonderful, uh, wonderful thing, even though it can be unsettling. And then along with that, know that all people, great and small, are ultimately in his hand for the good of God's people. And it's illustrated by the king's heart is a stream of water. He turns it wherever he wants to. It's no big deal to God to move heaven and earth, to move whole societies, to move uh, you know, governments. God can do anything. Uh, so I, I like taking those together. Be open to the change in the future, whatever God may bring into your life. But he's the God that controls all things, and his plans are good for you uh, and not bad. So I wanted to end, though, by uh, this introductory thing that I think is especially important. Um, as you approach Proverbs, especially as you approach Proverbs as someone who's living in the New Covenant, So I say here, we must ultimately see uh, all that we study in Proverbs through New Testament lens. That is, through the lens of God's salvation in Christ. Even Christ said what? These are my words that I spoke to you while I was still with you, that everything written about me in the law of Moses and the prophets and the Psalms must be fulfilled. Now, you can throw Proverbs in there with the Psalms because it's part of wisdom literature. He's just given the third three divisions, law, prophet, and wisdom, and they're subsumed under Psalms. So we can say everything in, uh, in, in Proverbs in some way must be fulfilled in Christ Jesus. Don't leave Christ out of this. Proverbs is the easiest place to leave Christ out of it, right? Um, so I had uh, one time, I was in a church where we, when I first got there, we had communion every quarter, and I got us to have it at least every month. I was working for more, but uh, that's a long story too. But uh, And one particular, it was July, and they were asking me, are you going to preach something about uh, obeying the government or something to do with uh, you know, civil uh, obedience like uh, Romans 13 or something like that? And I said, well, I'm thinking about it. They said, well... You need to decide so we can decide whether we can need to put communion off to the next Sunday. I said, what? Well, if you're preaching on... so All they knew ever, this is when we first started going to monthly, is that once a quarter you preach on the atonement in particular and we do communion. Can't preach about anything else in the Bible. Got to preach on the atonement, like a passage about the atonement, and then we can take communion. They had no category. These were elders. They had no category for teaching anything else, especially like our obedience to the government, and then having communion after that. 
just wouldn't be appropriate. Well, it was a misunderstanding of what all preaching is. You know, if, if a sermon, the boat doesn't come up to the dock of Christ and let you off there, it's not Christianity. It's not a Christian sermon, right? And everything in Proverbs that we study must bring us to the dock of Christ. And we've got to shine Christ into it, okay? So, a few things to think about here. Uh, The righteous, holy person in the wisdom of literature, including Proverbs, points ultimately to the only one who is holy, Jesus Christ. So, as we consider the commands of wisdom, we look to the one who alone fulfills those commands on our behalf, and as the righteous one offered himself up for all of us who are most unrighteous, as Peter says. This is always the starting point of obedience. Christ has obeyed for us, and by trusting in him, we don't obey to be accepted, but because we are already accepted in him. This gives us hope, motivation, freedom from guilt, fellowship with God in the midst of our struggle, which gets really ugly at times. But we are in fellowship with him because Jesus has obeyed for us. Jesus has fulfilled Proverbs for us, okay? And secondly, these come to us as those joined to Christ's death and resurrection. Uh, we are those who have been brought from death to life. Christ's life is in us. We're a new creation. We have new self. We, the church, are a temple. We each are temples of the Holy Spirit who's conforming us, and we're God's dwelling place. So we have certain possibility because we are in Christ, renewed in Christ. We have his life. We have the Holy Spirit. And so all of that needs to be gathered up together when we come to Proverbs, right? That's who we are. We, we can't face Proverbs, even as Old Testament people, who still then should have depended on the mercy of God as they look to wisdom literature, but we, we all the more. And then thirdly, um, I just have a paragraph on the fact that God is constantly working in us, right? Uh, and so we have hope that we can conform to the wisdom and righteousness of, of Proverbs because God is at work in us to bring these things about that are pleasing to him. Uh, and then finally, when Christ fulfilled this wisdom and righteousness, he expanded its meaning beyond what we could have comprehended by dying for his enemies. Thus, now Christ can give us what he calls the new commandment, which summarizes, supersedes, and stretches out Old Testament teaching. Uh, Love one another as I have loved you. He called it a new commandment. It's our new law. It shows the radical, beautiful nature of the law's command to love. If, as has been said, the law is a transcript of the character of God, then in Christ we have the transcript revealed in the character of Christ, right? The law is the transcript of God's character And then that God came down and lived out that transcript in a bigger, bolder, more beautiful way than we could have imagined by dying for us. Now, when I say it supersedes the law, I'm not saying the law doesn't matter, the details of the law uh, as they relate to one another. But it supersedes because Jesus says, this is your new commandment. Is this the one I want you to remember? You know, love like I have. So... That's just the grid through which to view the Proverbs. Each of your study, you know, bear these things in mind of who and what you are in Christ and what Christ has done for you. And then just on your own, uh, just an idea of some of the New Testament questions to ask about this particular study on the heart, right? Just some examples of it. 
you might think, for instance, you know, it talks about sincerity of heart. Uh, I naturally, I went to chapter 5 of the Sermon on the Mount. You know, you've heard it said commit adultery, but what you're thinking your heart is, you know, you're still an adulterer, you know, that kind of thing. So uh, it's really interesting to see how the Proverbs uh, are lived out and expressed in so many beautiful ways and, and maybe even brought into greater boldness uh, in the New Testament. So, all right, let's pray. <clears throat> Father, uh, how we thank you for your word that tells us who we really are and it tells us who you really are and what you've really done for us and what our hope can be in Christ. Uh, you, it, it tells us what life really is and how life works. We thank you for the, the beauty because this is all about how we love you and how we love one another um, and the details of that. Lord, give us grace and energy and delight in learning uh, week after week how can I love God and love others better and better. Uh, Lord, bless us. Bless these uh, dear, precious women. Thank you for them. Thank you for the amazing women that we have in our church and pour out your spirit upon them in their uh, continuing studies. In Jesus' name, amen.